Oh, what a happy morning this day. This day in which we celebrate the beginning of the end of Satan's rule. This, the day on which we celebrate the overcoming of hell, sin, death, and all evil. This is the day in which we celebrate the implementation of your plan of salvation by your having come to inhabit humanity. Please open our hearts today to hear anew the good news of the birth of Jesus. May all that I say and all that we do today give glory to you, Holy Trinity. You may be seated. Well, Father Ben has told us many times over the years that nobody comes to Christmas service to hear a sermon. So, Father Ben, I promise that I will not be more than an hour. All right. Merry Christmas. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Away in a manger, no crib for bed, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. All of these and many more, I'm sure, conjure up a sweet, sentimental, traditional view of Christmas as we in the West have come to know it. At the risk of committing a crime against Christmas carols, let me present what I believe was probably a reality of the time. Here is a baby who had just survived the trauma of navigating the birth canal, the birth canal, and being delivered into a not-so-pleasant place. Having been placed into a feed trough, he is competing with cows, sheep, donkeys, and probably other animals for space. Besides being in a barn or a cave, he is born into a town of bustling and not-so-pleasant circumstances. People are in Bethlehem many of them against their will, they were there to be taxed and counted. That's what we all want, right? Also, I doubt that Jesus, the baby, was so quiet when he awoke to cows bellowing and him lying on sticky, prickly hay. How do you think that our babies, Thea, Rose, Reuben, and others. How do you think they would have reacted to such an environment? Most likely not lying down with their sweet heads. <laughs> they would most likely be crying and fussing, wouldn't you? Well, like our children of today, this baby, Jesus, was thrust into a world of darkness and despair born into a world filled with evil and untold suffering. At the time of Jesus' birth, the known world was filled with violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing oppression, families being ripped apart, 
and endless grief. We see much of the same in our world today, don't we? Even worse, as we witness racism, ethnic hatred, unborn babies being murdered, religious persecution, cancel culture, and we can go on and on. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 8 said that the people would be greatly stressed and enraged and speak angrily against God. The people would look to the earth and behold nothing but distress and darkness. But then in chapter 9 and verse 2, he prophesied the coming of Jesus when he said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And he goes on to say that unto us a child is born. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God came to us in person so he could have an authentic relationship with us. Why was Jesus born into such a terrible physical environment? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Not just some God above us or a God set on a shelf. He is God with us. He came to share in our human lives. He came as divine, but yet human. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, put it this way. God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is this truth of the incarnation. Why, you might ask. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This Jesus is the same person referred to in Colossians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What an awesome God. A God who loved his people so much that he would become human in the person of Jesus Christ. So he could be with us.
to share in our sorrows, our weaknesses, our illnesses, our inadequacies. He has come to deliver us from the domain of darkness. He has come as a God-man to eradicate sin, flesh, and the devil. Jesus, God incarnate, God with us, has come from the highest level to defeat death and to reconcile us in all things to the Father. That's what Christmas is about, being with us in all aspects of our lives, communing with us. Christmas is also about remembering that Jesus Christ humbled himself, seeing others more significant than himself. He was a servant to all and obedient to all things in accordance with the Father's will. And we read in Philippians 2 about this. It says, Paul said that talking about Christ's example of humility, he said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then uh, in verse 14 of the same chapter, the Apostle Paul instructs us that we are to be of the same mind as Christ and to do all things without grumbling or disputing. Is this not the Christmas spirit that we all seek to employ? I pray so. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be like you. It is the love of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that should cause us to live for him and not for ourselves. Again, the Christmas spirit of giving that we all aspire to. It was this self-giving, self-emptying love that caused Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 14th verse, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Certainly, it is because of the mercy of God and, and our faith in Jesus Christ that we receive our salvation. However, in my mind, I'm thinking that the righteousness of God includes love, justice, mercy, self-sacrifice, among other traits, especially as it relates to the poor, the weak, the disabled, the widowed, the orphans, and other dis disenfranchised persons. This then is the real meaning of Christmas. God with us in the person of Jesus Christ and we being like Christ to others. Wait, that's not the end. That's not the end of the Christmas story. In addition to the birth, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, we rejoice in his ascension to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, where he sits to continuously intercede for us. He sits on the great throne as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And yes, there will come that great day when all things in heaven and on earth will be restored to God's perfect desire. There will be no more darkness. For the Lamb, that same Jesus, who was born to a God-man in Bethlehem, will be the light. There will be no more sorrow or sickness or death, and all tears will be wiped away. We, who have overcome because of the blood of the Lamb, will join in that great feast that great feast around the banquet table of the Lord. We, the church, the body of Christ, will be married to that same baby boy born in Bethlehem, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That will be the culmination of the Christmas story. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.